Welcome to Cannon Snakes in Olympio. This is Elliot. I'm here with Danielle today. Ryan won't be with us. How are you doing, Danielle? I'm doing good. How about you? Not too bad. Um, before we get into, because you and I have a lot of inter stuff to talk about in Syria and all the stuff that happened in the last week, but um, the uh, pots for the um, Champions League and Europa League just came out. Um, so I just want to get your live reaction to that, if that's okay with you. Of course it's okay. Do you, do, you, do you understand the pot thing, or would you like me to explain it to you? So, I've only heard very little on how this actually works. So, so basically, ba- basically, the teams that are in your in your specific pot, you can't you can't be drawn in with them in the group stage. So you can you can play them later on the tournament, but for sure, the teams that are assigned to your position, you can't get drawn in. So basically, the, the how it works is they rank. The, the team quality and the season they had is based on what pot you get in. So, for example, teams like Liverpool and um, teams that won titles will probably be end up in one, which means they have the greatest chance of having a winnable group where a, a team in the fourth pot will struggle. Um, I actually have an issue of where they put you. But um, anyway, so do you get the, the general idea? Okay. Uh, that makes sense. I've, I've, like I said, I was going to even say that. Like, teams get put into a pot based on certain criteria. Mm-hmm. And then, event, and then like, one team from each pot gets drawn. And then that determines who's going to be in your particular group. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm just going to read all of them just okay. for the hell of it, just so we all know, just for whatever. And then I'll do the Europa League, too. Um, so, you guys are in, hold on. This is Europa League. Hold on. Just give me a second are in uh, pot three. So I'll just go to four to, to one, just so we, we have an idea of, of who we won't be seeing play each other in the group stage. Um, so pot four has Locomotive Moscow, Marseille, Club Bruges, Mushin Gladbach, Istanbul, Besikir, um, FC Maitland, uh, Renners, and Fenakoras, um, uh, who is a Hungarian team. You're in pot three. So these are the teams that you will not... Um, be drawn in with Atlanta, Crossador, Lazio, Olympiacos, RB Leipzig, R, 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 sorry, Red Bull Salzburg, uh, Dynamo Kiev. I'm going to say the last two and then I'm going to ask you on your opinion. Um, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Man City, Man United, Shakhtar Donetsk, Dortmund, Chelsea, Ajax, number two. And number one is Bayern Munich, Sevilla, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Juventus, PSG, Zenit, and Porto. Um, so you're, you're in pot three. What, and so considering the names, um, what, what's your reaction? And I, I can read them again if you don't remember. I think in my honest opinion, I don't agree with the pot we're in, to be honest. I, I at least think we should be in the, at least pot number two because we did kind of make it to the finals of the Europa League fi- last year. Mm-hmm. And we, and we also finished in a champ. We've been finishing in the Champions League for like the past three seasons in a row. So I think we at least deserve to move. I mean, at least we aren't in pot four where we were a couple of seasons ago, but we have a massively improved. So I think we at least deserve pot number two. Um, but in regards to like the teams that we which, could go up against, which team? Which team? Of the ones in your uh, bracket, are you the most relieved of not having to pl- play? Can you read off those names again? <laughs> okay, yeah, my bad. Um, D- D- Dynamo Kiev, which is Russia, 
RB Salzburg, Austria, RB Leipzig, uh, Germany, Olympiacos, Lazio, Atlanta, and uh, Krasendor, which is a team in, um, in Turkey. I mean, I love them because we all, they're like the underdog story that we didn't think was going to make it that far. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy we don't have to go up against Atalanta until like maybe later on in the tournament because oh my gosh. Yeah, I think so, I actually think RB Leipzig's the one you you dodged a bullet with that one because I think they're going to be in the Bundesliga title race and they made the semifinals of the Champions League last year. Um, just so you know, Italian teams cannot be drawn with other Italian teams. Just just for for further reference. Okay, that makes sense. So it, it wouldn't have been possible for you to be drawn with Atlanta. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually agree with you. I think you should be in pot number two. I actually think RB Leipzig and you guys should be in pot number two. I think um, Man United and uh, – and uh, um, sorry. And uh, uh, Shakhtar should be in number three because you – you didn't beat Man United, but you got to Europe League final. They went out of the semifinal. You beat Shakhtar last year in the tournament. Um, and then I, I don't have really an issue with Chelsea, Ajax, Dortmund, Barcelona, or, or those ones, but yeah. Um, so do you feel like with this with this grouping, does it give you a little bit of optimism of not getting drawn into um, the, the, you know, the, the dangerous teams? Because also – Another thing you should know about this is you can only get drawn with one team from each of the other pots. So, for example, if you end up with Bayern Munich, you won't have to deal with any other team from that the number one placing. Ooh, I mean, it kind of gives me some relief, but, I mean, if we end up drawing Bayern, oh, my word. Get help. Get Daniela Medic ASAP Rocket because that is going to be a bloodbath. Because we all seen how Bayern has dominated Germany the past few seasons, and we saw him dominate in the Champions League last season too. Um, I mean, all right. So here's the here's the thing with that, right? So obviously Bayern is the one, but all right. Let's suppose you get one of those because you're going to end up. With one of these teams, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone in that pot wants Porto, Zenit, PSG, you know, whatever. I mean, the the, the big teams you're gonna you're gonna end up with one of these guys. Um, in regards to pot two, because I think that's the game changer of of the teams in pot two, which is Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Man City, Man United, Dortmund, Dunkest, Don, uh, Chelsea, and Ajax. Of those teams, which I guess which which will give you the most. Um, I don't know what the word is. Uh, scare factor, if because you're gonna, you're probably gonna end up with one of the bigger teams in pot one. If you if you avoid Bayern Munich, if you get Real Madrid, I think you're good there. But of the teams in pot two, which one are you the most worried about getting drawn into? Uh, I think ba- uh, Barcelona. I mean, they've had even though they haven't been great as of like the past few seasons, and they struggled in the Champions League closer to the final. But they're still a team that can go out there and dominate. I mean, you have still have Lionel Messi there, although that we all know that there's still some friction in that aspect. But either way, he's carrying that team. And if they are able to, like, focus and get back to where they were, um, they would run circles around Inter. And that gives me, like, 
like the, it gives me the nerves pretty much. Right. It's like, yeah. you know what I'm cheering for? What? Uh, Dortmund because Hakimi against his old team. Ooh, that'd be that'd be that'd be epic. I'd say to watch. Just just to be nice, I'm. I, I hope you get Zenit, um, Dortmund, um, and uh, let's see, uh, and Marseille. <laughs> oh, at least um, you're being nice, so I appreciate. <laughs> well, don't get me wrong. When we get to the knockout stage, my tune on that is going to be completely different. But um, anyway. Uh, Let's just I just wanted I just felt it was a good idea just to to run through um that. Um so I'm not now I'm gonna read I don't I'm not I'm not gonna read the entire Europa League ones, but I'll just read um the ones so Roma are in pot one um with Arsenal, Napoli, Benfica, Bayer Leverkusen, Villarreal, and CSK Moscow. Actually, I'm gonna read them off for for the hell of it. So that's pot one. Pot okay. two is Braga, Gent, uh Spartus, Prague. Uh, pot. So some of this is up in the air, but these are just the other potential options. Pot one is the only one that's been totally solidified. Um, and then there's um, Rapid Vienna, Leicester, and pot what, either two or three. Uh, Real Sociedad, uh, Feyenoord, Mola, uh, Hoffenheim, a team I've never heard of, and I'm not going to try to pronounce. Lille, Nice, and then the last ones are Wolfsburg and two other teams that I haven't heard of. Um, so do you think, based on – I know Roma's not in the best moment right now, but do you feel like, given the rest of the teams that are in that situation, that that's a, a reasonable place for them to um, to be in? I actually think you guys are put in the correct pot. I mean, you guys – I mean, despite your current form, which is, I w- I'm just going to say is very unfortunate for you guys, I know well, you guys I, are- I, would form, I would just say gener- the general status of the team because – we're going to get into the game this weekend, but we had it was a bounce-back performance. But, yeah, go on. But it's, like I said, it was unfortunate, like, how things have started off for you guys. But if you guys are able to, like, fix out those, like, issues and stuff, I think it's fair that you are in the correct pot. And, again, mm-hmm. those other teams, I mean, I think you'll make it out of the group stages, but it will yeah. be difficult coming the knockout because we've seen you execute in – I think you guys made it to the round of eight last season. Six, six, uh, was it eight? It was either – I think it was 16. Yeah, but you said you guys – Oh, you yeah, play, that's right. You Getafe. play – you, you play Getafe in the quarterfinals, right? Right. Okay, so, no, then then that means that means we were in the – no, it was only one because in the round of 32, we beat Gent um, over two legs, and then in the next round, we hit Sevilla when, and, you know, whatever. Um Anyway, I just thought it'd be fun to, to react to that. The, the, the draw for these for this is uh, – I know the Champions League one is on Friday. Um, the Europa League one might be tomorrow. I'm not sure. Um, so we'll find out what groups we're in. I'm hoping to not be in a difficult one. I think Inter deserve not to be in the group of death this time. Um, so we'll see. Because I'm really interested in – because European football is going to start next month. So uh, it's going to really – give just the show in general a little more, little bit um, more context. Um, Anyway, Uh, let's see. All right. So, so let's talk, let's talk about, um, let's just, let's get the inter stuff out of the way since there's a lot, since we have to go, go over two games. Um, Florentina inter. um, 
just give me the good, the bad, the ugly. What were your thoughts on how you played and what did you like? What did you not like? Just give me the rundown. If I, I, I saw the game, but just, just for the people who don't know. Okay. This match was pretty, was pretty much back and forth. Um, there was some good key points. And then of course there was some other issues that were lackluster. So I'm going to start with the bad and finish off with the good, because that way it gets the negative out of the way. Right. Right. So, Go on. Okay. So one of the first things I realized is that we've had spotty defense for a while. We went from, in my opinion, looking like we have the one of the best defenses in the league over the past few seasons to now it's like they're so yeah. scattered. It deteriorated over the last like two years, I think. Because yeah. I thought in like maybe two years ago you were really strong defensively. And even even last year you were strong not last year, the year before that you were strong defensively. And then I felt like um the change of formation kind of screwed Inter up a little bit. Um, but anyway, go on. I, I just, I just wanted to point that out. Actually, that's fair. Um, but even in my opinion, we were still kind of solid in that aspect to a point, but now it looks like we don't even have a defense. Um, there was, um, several, um, it like gaps in that area that allowed Fiorentina to score. Mm -hmm. And, Let's, let's Daniel. Let's break this down a little bit, just so people don't know. I want to actually talk to you about the first goal, because they came forward, they got it right away. There was a mistake by the back line and the goalkeeper, and Florentina just—I mean, I couldn't believe they were going to start so quick. Because I remember I, I messaged you when they scored with the with the, the words "WTF" <laughs> with, a, with a laughing face. So, um, what did you think about that specifically? And then you can uh, just go on. I just want to. I just want to attack this conversation in the right way. So, uh, uh, just answer that. Um, after when I first saw that, I was kind of like worried. Like, if they scored that quickly, we, like I said, we well, basically, we've said over the course of the past few podcasts for Inter. Those first 15 minutes of the match are critical. If Usually, if Inter drop points early on, it's hard for them to come back from that deficit. Um, but that, despite that goal, I am actually impressed with how they attacked the rest of the game. They were able to come back from that deficit. And, of course, it was pretty much back and forth with goals throughout the matchup. Yeah. But... The problem is is how many goals they conceded, right. especially based on how many chances Inter had. Some of those chances either hit the woodwork or just went a little bit wide of the net. But so that is one of the other key issues is just like finishing those opportunities that are given. Right. Um, just hold on a second. I just just I just want to break this down a little bit. So going into that game. Were you disappointed that Hakimi didn't start? Because I felt like, just defensively speaking, that was the wrong approach. I was I was okay with Ashley Young on the other side, but I, I just thought that maybe he should have given a start, and because you were getting ex you were literally being exposed on that side on, on pretty much every play. 
I mean, I, I don't even remember who the wing back was over there, but they, they couldn't handle what was being thrown in that direction. Um, I think it was a very good. Uh, there were certain players that, in my opinion, should have started, especially um, Vidal. I mean, once Vidal, I mean, whoa. He, once he came on, the whole demographic of the match changed. I think the, like, winning mentality and, like, oh, guys, we got to get this going here. Right. And- I think – so. I'm sorry to interrupt again, but I think you got Vidal wrong because over two games, and we'll talk about the game today, he's been as consistent as anyone in the minutes he's played because he comes on the entire complexion. That game just kind of flips around. Right. Uh but like I said, I'll once I see another consistent performance, then I'll make the public apology. But I want oh, to make oh no, you don't need to apologize now. I'm just saying it's looking like he's gonna actually be pretty important to you guys. That was the point yeah. I was making. But so because of the way I talked about him, I do deserve he deserves an apology. Once I see one more consistent yeah. performance, yeah, but that's just me. Yeah, um, gotcha. but, but anyways, once I agree that Hakimi should have started. Um, because once he came on, the defense kind of got a little bit more cohesive, uh, if that makes sense. Um, but it's just like, of course, we have no say of who starts and who does what, but Mm -hmm. there are just certain players that after seeing them come on, the whole game changed and it changed for the better. And seeing like how Inter, who was ended up a goal down in the first three minutes was able to fight and come back and win the thing for right, right. three. Which- I thought, right. I thought Lotaro getting that goal right at the end of the first half was huge because Florentina had a few chances at the end of that part of that first mm-hmm. half. They could have easily gone up, but I thought like, I think then this is my opinion. If you don't get that goal right before halftime, you probably don't get the result that you ended up getting. Right. So it's like one of those situations where it's like seeing them go from a team that would normally just once that goal hit, they would just shut down and then it would be would have been Fiorentina just laying the business on enter the rest of the match. Right. But, but seeing those players like Kolarov, Hakimi and Vidal coming on to the squad, even if they didn't start, they were lending their support and ideas from the sidelines too. So, Before, hold on. Just finish your last point. I have one more thing to say after that though. Just finish okay. that last point. Okay. Seeing that the these players who have that like winning mentality being a part of Inter, I think that is what is starting to help them with that particular issue, which normally, like I said, We've seen that would have seen this story before. Inter go down one goal in the first three minutes, and then it's just basically a cakewalk for the Fiorentina or whoever's facing them. And it's just nice to finally see that Inter are putting that effort into getting those points where we may not have seen this in like the past few seasons in general. Right. I got you. And I, I want to attack the, the positivity at the end of that game in a second here, but I want to, I want to just talk about the def- defense one more time. 
And I just want to your opinion on this play. Do you remember? I think it was it was Chiesa's goal that that put them up three two before you made your comeback, where Ribery whipped the ball from the entire other side of the field um, to Chiesa. He scores. I, we're going to get into Hondanovic later, but my, my question for you is: is what did you think about that situation? And I felt like. They, they, were, they were leaving too much gap in the middle, not not in the defense, but in the midfield where he had the space, you know, to do that. And it's it, it was a bad look. And I think because um, Ribery is 30, like 34, 35 years old. He's an old guy, but he's won before. And so I'm not surprised by the performance, but I thought it was it was interesting how he managed to cause so many problems against a a and a young or at least part of your team is young and and at least in that in that sense what did you think about that particular play and and going forward through the rest of the season what do you guys what do you think you need to do to eliminate because the worst like if, if you're if you're if for example if you have a player you're playing against Ronaldo he he rises up for a header he scores you're not gonna you know that's just gonna happen occasionally but because I, I think the worst way to concede is like that when you have a long ball go from one end to another and then they just pounce on it because then they don't have time to react. Let me think about this for a second. Sorry okay. about that. I, just, I have a lot of energy today. <laughs> don't worry about it. So do I in a way. Um, but after like typing my article today and just like w- being able to watch football stuff, it just gave me some like yeah. more drive. But anyway, um, in regards to the midfield, I do agree they left so many gaps in certain points of that match. Which, in my opinion, going forward, they need to figure out a way to make sure everybody's more like on top of the ball or and more. Uh, I guess I'm going to use the word tight, like tighten the midfield. So that mm-hmm. way it doesn't leave those gaps. And of course they're going to need help with, from the defense in that area too. But with just that goal on how he was able to get it, find that gap and get it from point A, point A, point A to point B. Right. It was like, it was just like one of those sick goals. I'm like, guys, what the hell are you doing? But right. in the end, Inter, even though it was kind of sloppy, they did end up with the three points, which... What do you think been... to at the last? Because you got that late. Lukaku had a shocker until he scored that one goal. But what do you think it took? Wh- wh- why do you think it happened? Because it, all due respect to Inter Milan, Inter years past would not have won that game. They would have lied down, right? So yep. what do you think was the difference just this, just this season? for them to be able to rally back and get that. And I thought if you get a point, it's a, still a bad result because Florentina played you off the park for, I would say, about 55% of the game. If you win, it's a huge point because of what it takes to get to that point. But what, did you th- what, what do you think the reason was behind Inter being able to, to propel themselves, unlike, the, unlike previous seasons? I think there's a couple key factors in regards to that question. Um, First, I think just the way Martinez was able to, like, see the game with precision and get the ball into those tight spaces was phenomenal. Um, Once Vidal, Raja, and Perisic came on, the the game changed 
in the way of pace and how it can't, got to the point where it's like, guys, we got to attack the goal often and try to get the ball into this goal. And so, especially with Vidal, because he comes from Barcelona, who has that not, winning. Right. No, it's not just that. That's a good point. But he's played with Barcelona with Messi and Suarez and those guys. He's won titles at Barca. Before that, he was at Bayern Munich, which has the, the tough German mentality of winning titles. He won titles there with Pep Guardiola, to, to mention that. And then before that, he was with um, Juventus, with uh, Allegri and Conte. And so all three of those teams provide winning intangibles. So so that that's, that's a good point right there. Yeah, like I think once he came on, it was like he kind of like, rallied them and got them saying, hey, we got to get this job done. We're expected to to win this title this season, so we got to get this job done immediately. So once I think he came on, then the momentum shifted into Inter's favor. Because right. after that, they were attacking the goal like often and making sure that the defense kind of picked up the slack where they were lacking in the first half. So I think just some of those reasons is why Inter went from a team that would have just lied down and just given up to actually fighting and getting the results that was needed. All right. I got, I got one more question on this, and then we'll talk about Benef- the Benevento game. Um, so do, do you think – how important do you think it is to have a game like this out of the gate? Or, would, or do you look at this as more of like a, a – more of a sense of relief because I don't know. It just depends how you look at it because you could look at this as it was one way being, you know, you had this great, you know, comeback from behind victory. So do you look at this as like in that way, or do you look at it, there was like too many errors around? I mean, I kind of see this in, re- in both positive and negative. Um, the negative was that, of course, there was a lot of issues defensively, but, Getting a, having a match like this where we know Inter could have easily struggled in the beginning, mm-hmm. it, it kind of like sets you up, okay, if they're able to beat a team that could be close enough to even beating us, it kind of gives me a little bit more hope in regards to facing other clubs like AC Milan later on, which is in a couple weeks, yep. Lazio this upcoming Sunday. So it kind of gives me like, okay, if we're if we see them come back from a deficit, they it gives gives kind of gives me kind of hope against those more important bigger matches later on. Right. So do you think it was a good thing that you had a game like this immediately because of that? I definitely will agree, say yes because at least it kind of like shows us what to them what to expect from those other matches that are more tough down the road. All right. That's fair. Um, yeah, I agree. But I, I also th- I think, I think we need to say this too. I think we need to give Florentine a lot of credit for the way they played against you guys. They absolutely looked like a team that they've been, cause you know, the Florentina thing they've been preaching to us, they're going to go to Europe this year, this year, this year. And they've always fallen short. That was an uncharacteristic Florentina performance. I thought Ribery and Castrovilli were excellent. Um, and even Chiesa, who I don't know how long he's going to be there or if he's going to even be there in a couple weeks, or, but when this when the whole thing closes. But I think we, we got to 
tip our hats to them because I thought that was a tremendous performance. And I, and you know, it's good that you won, but I also feel bad for them because they played such a great game to get nothing. So that's I, I just wanted to say that. Definitely agree. All right. Um, today, today was all right. I have a few issues with today's game. Yes, it was a, it was a good game. You 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 got you were more fluid offensively and you had those moments but there's also moments there where i see problems that are going to keep you you know in a stressful area um all season so what did you think about today's game uh, other than winning because that's a good good win but um anyway i'm gonna let you uh, just just speak on that okay yay we won Woo-hoo! um but in regard i mean I think the only solid part of this match today was the offense and how the attack the goal frequently. Of course, yet again, despite, I mean, the one issue that is gonna, right now is still continuing to plague Inter is that defense. It, they left, in my opinion, certain goal, those two goals could have probably been easily... Since since you're talking about it, let's and I want I want to focus this game mostly around the 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 big game, the big goal, the you know the the the, the positive part of this. But since you brought it up, we have to talk about their first goal. Okay, I mean, there's so many things wrong with this. It wasn't like no, it, it's not like one of those things that they could have prevented it. It's their fault that it happened. So. I mean, Samir Handanovic, I don't care what anyone says. He's, a, he's an Inter Milan legend. What is he doing? I mean, it was a bad collection of the ball. It was a horrible pass that just gave the, the, the possession away, and then they just hit it on. They just struck it at him. Um, I mean, what is going on? Because that is just – that's a, a, a goalkeeping mistake you would – you would think a younger co-keeper to make, not someone who's been in this league for his entire, most of his career. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Cause I thought it was an, uh, just a, just a disaster. Where do I start? <laughs> the second one, the second one. Okay. The second one. Yes. He probably should have saved it, but I don't blame him for the second one. The first one was horrific. I agree. I mean, he, Instead of just picking up the ball and just setting it up to kick well, it. Sorry, sorry. He, he couldn't have picked up the ball because his same teammate uh, had it. Remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, no, I get what you're saying, though. He, he could have handled that better, but sorry. I'm a, hold on. Just continue. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Don't let me come over here and give you a sedative. Jeez, man. <laughs> but anyway, um, it was like the way he could have he could have just kicked the ball out of the goal like as hard as he could and get it down to the other end of the pitch to get it as far away from the goal as possible. But no, he does this light tap, which basically put it at the feet of the Fiorentina player, and then they were able to get that ball and land it in the back of the net with finesse and ease. Right. I'm, like, then, go ahead. I'm like, what the heck? This is a textbook rookie mistake that a veteran keeper should not be making. And I'm right. like, and we'll get into this later, but it's time for him to, we need to find his replacement ASAP. All right. Uh, we're going to get to that in a second. I want to talk about this game, but I thought it was strange because 
Uh, I don't remember who was playing on the right wing today. The right wing back. Who? Do you remember? Oh no, I don't. So you had Hakimi on one side. Did Ashley Young play today? Yes, he did. Okay, I think it's probably Ashley Young. But if you notice on that play, that's where he's that's where he's aiming to the pass. But Ashley Young was making a run downfield and wasn't even there was there was not communication between himself and the keeper. So the fact that Handanovic makes that move in that moment was egregious because he doesn't have communication with the person he's passing the ball to. I mean, come on, dude. It's just like you, – you, you. And you right. can be the captain too. Right. If, if you're going to make that pass, you make the pass. If, but don't that, – that, that area of the field was, was crowded by Benevento players who were waiting for, for him to kick it out, right? You either right. blast – and I'm not saying blast is always the best solution – because that can be bad too. But at least he wasn't like being chased down either. He had a few. He had a few seconds to react. He could have gone back to the guy who just gave him the ball on the other side, or he could have he could have hit a low, uh, like a, a, a not a low pass, a a pass with power on the other wing. But instead, he goes straight to the middle where it was picked off. Um, and you know, credit credit to Benevento, great finish, excellent goal for them. But it started with um, the goalkeeper. And for me, I get what you're saying with the defense, but tonight, today, whatever, I, that that's more on the goalkeeper than anything else. Because, look, your de- I thought Spinyard did okay. It wasn't a great game for him, but he did. He was serviceable. Um, DeVry, DeVry played today, right? Yeah, um, he yes, good. he did. Uh, I thought Kolarov was good. His pass on that first goal was absolutely outrageous. just a beautiful pass all the way down the wing um but i just felt like tonight it it was the goalkeeping issues that that come up again um but talk about what did you out of the things that obviously that's the big big one but um what did you what did you like from your team today like what specifically did you like enjoy seeing i mean obviously I actually like seeing how Vidal was able to be consistent and just like he even kind of, in my opinion, has more of the leadership role than Andanovich right now because he is bringing that like winning yeah. He's bringing, mindset. Right. To the He's bringing what I'd call that nasty because he, you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's a, I actually never heard of that one before. That's actually really good. I like that. Oh, um, you, you but know anyway, what I mean by that, right? Like he, so let okay. me explain myself. Just, so, just you know. So, but it's it. What, what I mean is, he's mentally tough. He is aggressive at everything. Every time there was a call that he didn't like, he was getting in people's faces. When the referee made a wrong decision, he was the first one up trying to challenge him. Um, when when he's challenging players, he has this. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. A certain physicality about it. Where he's approaching everything at full, full like aggression and speed and power, and he can't play like that all season because he's an older player, so he needs to be careful. But he's bringing that energy that Inter Milan don't seem to have right now because uh, Barella's excellent. We both love him, but he's he's not going to take the risks and and the type of the game that that Vidal has, which is why it's really important. And I'm not saying all risks are good. But 
Vidal this season will have moments where he, he, he makes a questionable decision that will pay off for Inter and will take them to points. Um, so I just mean that the aggressive personality, but also the accountability factor to the, the way he plays. You know what I mean? Right. Um, another thing that I actually kind of didn't like was some of the players being selfless, especially Alexis Sanchez, who had perfect scoring opportunities. But instead of taking it, he passed the ball to another teammate. And sometimes the other teammate wasn't expecting the ball. They were expecting Sanchez to go execute into the goal. I mean, I understand he's trying to like be more like of a team player. But if you have that opportunity in front of you, you have to take it. Especially uh, one where he was inside the box and was right, like, I think, three feet from the goal and had a perfect opportunity. Instead of just not walking it in, he just passed it back. And I think it was Ashley Young who was behind him. He wasn't expect, or it was Erickson, one of the two. He passes the ball back to him and thinking that they were going to get take the goal, mm-hmm. but they weren't even expecting the right. ball. So I understand that he's trying to be like give other players chances, but if you have that chance, you got to take it, especially if it was wide open right. for you. That was one. The and some of the other players did that as well which is kind of going to be one of those things I'm going to keep my eye on. because Here's the separation with that, right? Lataro Martinez is allowed to do that, but that's it. Forward because of his swift movements. And he's a a very willing passer, and he's starting every game. Alexis Sanchez isn't always starting. So because of that, Lutaro has is in his right to make those type of moves because of the way he plays. And, and as you know, last season he made a lot of assists that way where he, he had quick passes where it put the ball perfect, where maybe the person wasn't expecting it. But that's the nature of – that's what makes Lutaro so fun to watch and such an exciting play. But if you're Alexis Sanchez or Christian Erickson or Barella or anybody else, you can't do that because no one's expecting you to do that. So we know on um, we know that's how Lataro plays. So when he's dribbling, the the other inter players always have uh, you know they, they can suspect that that could happen that he might give you a pass when you're not expecting it. But for Alexis Sanchez and others, they that's not the right move because that's not you know first of all Alexis isn't starting all the time, and second of all, you know that's just not the nature of the the way they play. So no one's expecting that to happen. Right. So it's like I'm going to be keeping an eye on that because that is one thing that, I mean, yeah, against Benevento and maybe in Spezia and maybe and stuff, like you're like more bottom-of-the-table teams, yeah, that may be okay. But when you have teams like Juventus, AC Milan, Lazio, Adelante. any of the big clubs. Even, or any of the big gonna, clubs. You're going to hop on that. They're going to hop on that. So you have to take those chances when you get them. So, I mean, that's one thing I'm going to be keeping my eye on in the next few matches because I think that's also going to be one of the areas that is going to make or break Inter's title opportunities along with the defense if they don't get it shaped up. I want to say this, though. There's there's obviously there's cracks in the armor, um, but – I thought Hakimi was wonderful. Great debut. He scored. Hakimi. 
Like I said, I said in our preview show that I think he'll be the highest scoring defender in the league. Um, one game, one goal, one start, one goal. Um, I think he can get between seven and nine goals a season. And you can see his explosiveness from that side. Also, Lataro came on, was excellent. And then Lukaku, um, all his, his finishing issues from, from, uh, against Fiorentina, um, seemed to be go, went away. And, uh, I thought he was absolutely superb. So I just wanted to to mention that. Uh, you, if you, if you want to add to that as well, you you, you can do it now. Um, overall, so far from what I'm seeing of Inter, there are so, has the, there are there's the attack that's performing top notch. The midfield still needs to get more cohesive and stuff, but the defense definitely needs some work. Um, but overall, so far with two wins, I'm not complaining. But we need to fix those issues, especially against going forward against the bigger teams. Since we have a tight schedule coming up, we have Lazio on Sunday, and then once we come back from the international break, we have the Derby Della Mandonina against Milan. So those are going to be the matches that is going to really put Inter to the test. So if they don't fix those issues. That could be a disaster going against those teams in the future. All right, that's fair. Um, let, let me say this, though. Um, so I have two more enter things. I want to get all the enter stuff back out of the way just so we can have this conversation, and then we'll just swiftly go through the rest. Um, so obviously, uh, let's. we know the elephant in the room as far as enter goes, um, at least so far. Samir Hadanovic, um hasn't been up to stuff. So I would like you to explain to the to the audience why you feel it's time to move on, and if you have any potential replacements or who you'd like to get, um, just think of the other Syriac keepers that you you like. Um, uh, do that as well. But uh, I just want to hear from your perspective. Okay, I mean Handanovic has been a keeper with Inter for a very long time. Um, he was there when I started as a supporter five years ago. He is, he has went from somebody who was just a keeper to being a captain that inter, in my opinion, desperately needed at the time. But now over the past like two seasons, he has been making mistakes that a rookie would make. And that is an issue. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's still a good keeper, but we need a we expect rookies to make those mistakes, not veterans. Are you ready to move on this season or are you looking for like next summer sort of thing? I would say this would be a move that they would need to start making in well, not if not this transfer window the one in January, if they do decide to do one, because we don't know what's so, going on. So you're, you're, you're ready to get a jump on this basically as soon as possible, because they're not going to sign another keeper this window. It, it, there's not enough time. In, in, anyways. Um, so let me ask you this, um, just to give you some examples. Um, so in, you want someone who's going to be able, and age may be something in there, but we, so you have, I mean, if, you, if you're just looking at Italy, you have Sirigu from Torino, who's excellent, but his team is is not up to standard. He is in his 30s. I think he's like 32, but I, I still trust him. Um, you have Alex Meret from, uh, from Napoli, 
relatively young keeper there. Um, you could go for Golini from Atlanta. Um, there's, there's, there's quality there. Um, but these are the two I like the most. Uh, the Caragno from Cagliari or Musso from um, Udinese. So of those options, which, which ones do you like the most? And if I said someone, if, if you think of someone else, I didn't say who would it be. I know that um, I think the guy you had mentioned from Udinese would be a good option. Or Merritt. Yeah. I think I pronounced that No, wrong. you got it. You got it. So I think those would definitely be a great option, especially the um, Merritt, who comes from Napoli, who has who provides quality goalkeeping for, for the Napoli, of course. Gee, um, that's, that's crucial. Because and he's cheap. Oh no! He, sorry. And then, I, I said he's good with his feet as well, and that's crucial because. Oh yeah. Him. Um. So let me ask you this: You want a you want a keeper who can who can hold up the title for you guys for at least the next couple seasons? How much would you be willing to spend on somebody? So what's what's the most you would spend on on a keeper? Because you know how these transfer negotiating. Go. I mean, a lot of these clubs are going to be stingy for certain prices, um, just in general. Um, I would, I'm thinking between no more than twenty-seven million. Okay, so that eliminates merit. Is, is going to go for more twenty million. So merit's out. Cragno's out. Sirigu, you could probably get for that price. Musso, you could probably get for that price. Um, Golini, um, you you wouldn't even get to the table. Um, so let me ask you this hypothetical. I have a feeling Merritt's not going to want to leave. We're going to get into Napoli right after this. So if you're Alex Merritt, why would you go anywhere else when you have your entire setup and there's not like someone waiting behind him to take over? Um, I think Napoli would listen. But I, I think it's unlike he would make that move. So would you rather sign um, 20 – what was it? I think he's like 24 years old. Uh, Golini from Alonso for 40, I'm just hypothetically. Or, um, you know, um, a Sirigu uh, or Musso for like a, a cheaper price. But just just keep in mind, Sirigu – and uh, Merritt, or not Merritt, um, Musso are, are, are much older than, than uh, Golini. Just, just, I just want to see where you're at with this. Okay, now that I'm really thinking about it, I would rather spend that, spend, or as we like to say, splash that cash to get a younger goalkeeper just because we know they're going to give us like time whereas, whereas the others will end up eventually having to retire in like two or three seasons, maybe four. So we would get our money's worth out of a twenty four year old versus that of like players that are in their like late twenties, early thirties. So in this case I wouldn't mind spending that money to get that um quality that would set us up for maybe seven or eight seasons versus like three or four. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that that makes sense. Um, well, let's okay. So on that, um, 
and just it's we're just in generation where we had to spend a lot of money on a keeper. Allison reset the market. So a lot of keepers are going to be going for high prices. Um, but anyways, I think that, that that's that's a good um, thing. Uh, one last inter thing. Um, Raja looks like he's going to go back to Calgary. What's what's your reaction to that? And do you think this is the right or wrong move? I think it would kind of be a good move for him because at least he would be utilized more as a starter. But we would lose that depth, in my opinion, because especially if players get injured down the road, which we all know is going to happen. Um, I mean, it has its good and bad points, but if he goes... I wish him nothing but the best of luck, but I would just hope that they keep him just for depth reasons because that is, like I said, as usual, that's going to be the thing that will be crucial down the road when players start getting yeah, injured. I, I agree. Um, I think they're making a mistake here because they're not even, they haven't even given him a chance. His first season there, he did his, – his stats weren't amazing, but he had six goals versus – I think he had five goals the year before at Roma, and, and he was one of the best players best players of that position that season. So, I don't know. I just feel like he's not getting a fair look. But for Cal Galari, if you can get this deal done, it's, it's, it's a big win just because they're already a good team, and you add that animal – to that team, it's and it's not like he's transitioning. He was there last year, and their new coach, D. Francesco, was with Matt Roma. So I actually hope it, I hope they get it done. I hope Roger gets everything he needs. Um, you know, he, him and his family have gone through a lot. So I, I just hope that they're able to um, to get this deal done. If if Roger wants it, I hope the Inter are willing to to negotiate at a normal price. And if you know, if, if but if and if Inter want to give him a chance. I'd love to see that as well. All right. Um, what do you, uh, so you, you watch the, the, the Napoli stuff, right? Yes, I did. All right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to try to lose my mind over this. They look unbeatable. Don't they? <laughs> like, I, I watched I both of those games. Go ahead. Go ahead. Watching the highlights. Yeah. Wait, can you hear? Sorry, I can't hear. Can you say that again? Welcome back for the second half. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. We, we had some uh, technical difficulties. Well, and it's like I knew this was eventually going to come back. We were doing so good, but then it started screwing up last week. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, just, you were talking about Napoli. Just, just, just continue talking. Okay, before we were so rudely interrupted by the usual technical difficulties, um, Napoli have just been on fire. I mean, their attack 
has been outstanding. Their defense is quality now. It's like we might be this is why Napoli in second because they're one of those teams that no matter what, you tell them they can't do something, they're gonna go out there and shut you up. Um I think they're on par with finishing in the top three. Uh, that is without a doubt, no question. But I will see how they do going forward, especially when those time of the years where we wish no one would get hurt, but we all know at some point the players are going to start getting hurt. And if it's one of their key players, then we see how that pans out. But they just look like a force to be reckoned yeah, with. Yeah, um, Lorenzo Insigne is out for a month, but I don't care. I don't care. That's how good they are. Like, if you see the connectivity, their, their new boy hasn't scored yet, but he's been setting up everyone. Merton's had an incredible game. Insigne has been balling. Their back line is incredible. Their goalkeeper's making saves. Uh, their midfield is, is really top-notch. And top to bottom, there's not really any real weaknesses. It's whether they can keep this up. And if they win next weekend – I think we have to view them as the favorites for until further notice because just based on what I've seen, they've been the best team so far this season, just based on quality. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree. Yeah, so I, this there's this team is just – there's not really a word for it. They're playing at sure. such a high level but, that at this point of the season – and we, we're going to talk about Alonta later, but Alonta has conceded some goals. All right, their defense isn't the whatever, but but Napoli seems to not have any any weaknesses, and so just based on what you've seen from Gattuso and those boys, how impressed have you been with um, everything they've done this summer, and how ner- how nervous are you that this is going to be a, a team that can bite off more than um, that's going to give you everything you, they get, that they got? Um, I think they've been doing a phenomenal job in all aspects of the game. And Signe being out, who cares? You got Mertens. You got um, who else was uh, that you Mertens, mentioned? You have. Um, I, 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 it's he's only been in the league for two weeks, so I, I don't want to butcher his name. I think it's Osman. He's the he's the world class, not world class. He's the world record signing from that came from France. Who's gonna replace Milik? I mean, you have all those players that, despite Insigne being out, they're going out and just dominating the competition. And there are certain teams that are set up that way. It could One of their key players could end up out, but you still have a lot of good quality in the, the squad. Whereas other teams, you're looking at it and it's like, uh, if these players get hurt, we're screwing it. Yeah, so, I agree. If, if Napoli is healthy the entire season, like, and I mean the entire season, I, just, I mean, yes, in saying that for a month, but if, if they, relatively speaking, stay healthy the whole way, everyone else is in trouble. And I think, I'm not ready to say that they're their favorites, but we're, we're broaching that conversation to continue. And I know Jenna was not the world-class team, but still, they've been able to handle, and Parma's a good team. I know they got beat this week, but 
they have good players. So uh, this is going to be a real test this weekend. Um, I'm not going to I'm not going to give away my prediction for who I think is going to win it. But if Napoli end up winning this against Juventus, I mean we have to regard them as the favorites if if that happens. And they're playing at such a high level. They have a great coach, and they kept Koulibaly, who was who looked like he was going to move to Man City. If they don't keep him, it's a different scenario. But they're they've kept him, and he's still one of the best defenders in the whole world. And that's going to make things really problematic on teams like Juventus, Inter, AC Milan, Lazio, everybody. That's I just feel like nobody wants that smoke right now because yes, there've been other teams who have played well, but they're playing on such a high level. So as you're looking at this perspective from an Inter fan, do you see them? And I know it's only been two games, but do you see them as the biggest threat uh, to your, to your title chances, or do you see someone else as? as sort of playing that role? Well, coming from, I mean, when we talk, I kind of talk from both perspectives as the fan side of me who wishes that, who says, oh, yeah, we're going to go for the Scudetto. But then there's also the pundit side of me who keeps things, like, in check and, like, unbiased. So, has the fan, we all know where I'm going with this. But it has the pundit keeping calling spade a spade here here i think they can be are going to be the deciding factor going forward in the title race because inter have way too many kinks of the armor right now and if they don't iron those out we're going to see inconsistent performances especially against the bigger clubs where we would see them continue to drop points in those areas go ahead but but Napoli, they're like one of those teams that has gelled very well, and they have the poise and the finesse, and they're more co- cohesive. Uh, cohesive, and that is what makes a team, in my opinion, a title contender. Being able to keep their co- cool and their minds cool and collected especially if they drop goals early on, being able to come back from those situations. And they're that team that has the cohesiveness. They got the aggressiveness. They got the defense. They got one of the best keepers in the league now. Um, Here's here's the important part. Chucky mm -hmm. Lozano last year looked like he was out of sorts in Italian football. He's looked fantastic. I mean – and this is a guy they can bring in off the bench. And then they have Demi who comes off the bench. They have Elmas who can come off the bench. They have so many quality players in the team and on the bench that they have the depth, they have the manager, they have a star player, and they have Dries Mertens. Dries Mertens has, is their all-time leading scorer. He has more goals with Napoli than Diego Maradona. I'm not saying he's better, but what you can tell based on that statement, he's only been there for – Six, seven years or something like that, which is, I mean, it's a long time, but still that shows you that he's constantly putting goals in the back of the net on a regular basis. So if, if he keeps that up in the assists and passing and scoring and is able to hold it down until Asinia comes back and he comes back firing, the whole league's going to be in trouble. And it's two games and I don't want to overreact, but they look like incredible. <laughs> like, I know my team's on the title race. If we were going to be, I would be terrified of this team right now. And it's two games, but 
they haven't they haven't completed one bad pass. It's 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 like a flawless 180 minutes. So it's I'm, it's a small sample size, but they look unbelievable. I definitely agree. And too bad we can no longer change our table right now. But it, I mean, they're gonna be little team that I'm going to be the yeah. most worried about can, going we can, forward. We can readjust in in January or something like that. I think I think that's fair. Just our preseason predictions will be different than maybe what we decide later on in the season. Um, all right, but think – I mean, yeah, they're just fantastic. Speaking of great teams with great attacks, um, that, um, that Atlanta-Torino game – Holy hell. I usually (laughs) reserve this for very special situations, but it was orgasmic. (laughs) I really everything. It was like it's it's, you you know what we you know what's funny about that is is that the thing is people who think this sport is boring show them that first half and then they'll completely change their mind. Um anyway, um what did you think of the first half? I mean I mean, it goes out. What was your perspective based on what you saw? Holy moly, guacamole. I mean, that was insane from Atalanta. I mean, the way that they just attacked um, Torino's net was nothing but class and quality. I mean... Of course, the issue will always be the defense, but in my opinion, it's the attack that gives them their potency. I mean, against bigger clubs, yeah, they'll struggle with that, but I think the attack makes up for their terrible defense. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's like one of those it's like one of those things that you look at their attack like, I don't want to go to the Bergamo. And I think we also and we also have Here's them. the important thing. Ilicic hasn't played a game yet. They doing they're doing they've scored eight goals in two games without Ilicic. Yeah, once Ilicic comes on, Nobody holy mackerel. Wants to deal a six foot five, physically and mentally strong Serbian, who is gonna be go into the season to prove a point. Um, no, you said it. it was absolutely ridiculous. It was goals left and right. Papu Gomez is a top seven player in the world. I don't care what anybody says. This guy is playing on a level that is above anyone I've seen this season. So, I mean, he's just he's just outrageous. Darun's excellent. Um, Hate Boar has two goals in two games. Muriel to bring off the bench. Zabata mm. hasn't scored this season, but his hold-up play, his what the impact he's having on this team is absolutely outrageous. Um I'd love Roma to go get him, but that his price tag is just going to go up and up and up. And I think he's going to secure a massive, big money move away after the season. But my goodness, this team has no gaps. Their defense does concern me. But like you said, it's the difference between them winning the title and not winning the title. But it's not the difference between them getting second or third or they're going to be in the top four. I think that, that that's clear now. Um, because it's like we know your weakness, but we we still can't stop you because we're excusing all our energy and trying to stop the attack that basically cannot be stopped. Um, I mean, obviously, um, I, I want to say this though, uh, 
Torino, Torino played their part in this. They they showed out. They performed. Um, I want to say congratulations to Andrea Bellotti for uh, for his 80 and 81st Serie A goal, passing the great Gabetto from the Granite Torino team, and is now level on goals with the the incredible. Valentina Mazzola, one of the uh, best players of that that era, um, and one of the best players in the history of football as well. Um, either those guys, but when you're breaching that those type of names in goals, it, it's it's always incredibly special. I agree. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I'm. It's hard to say because the whole narrative about Torino has changed. But I think he's a club legend just because of the numbers he's put up, and um, he's good. I mean, he's he's just the truth. I think so, a bigger team needs to come and get him because I feel like he's wasting his days in, in Torino. Um, but uh, all right. So so with that being said, that was a great game. Um, and then, uh, like you said, what's going to happen when they play a big team? Like Lazio. I mean, again, <laughs> it's just down to the tech. Papu Gomez was unbelievable. He had, I think, he had a goal, at least a goal and assist. I don't remember. I think he had two goals, actually. So he went from one goal, two assists last week, or last week, to two goals, one assist today. And they absolutely ripped apart Lazio. They're up 3 0. Um, and Lazio controlled the game for the first, most of the first half until they start, They just, Alanta had those moments, and they just made him pay. Um, Immobile missed a really good opportunity to score um, when they were losing 3-1 to make it 3-2. Um, maybe that changes the game and whatever, whatever. But this team is I, – I have no words for them. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw the, the highlights of today's game? For, you mean Atalanta versus Lazio. what? Oh, my word. Oh. Let's just say I will – I'm going to just use what the phrase you just said. It was a orgasmic proportions against Lazio, who is definitely a stronger team than Atalanta. But the way that their attack comes out of the gate, they basically focus their defense on trying to attack their, – on their attack. So, basically, it tires them out. And, but they're still able to get the ball from, into those tight spaces and especially some long-range goal opportunities. And just they're able to find the back of the net without any issues. I mean, Lazio had some kinks in the armor, especially defensively today, which I don't know if it was a fluke. But no, I mean, it, because it's still a strong team. It's just they had a bad day at the office, I think. Yeah, that's what, like, I mean, I think it was just a fluke. Like, they were just having an off day. But the way they were able to, like, control them was amazing. Whereas teams, like, right now with Inter, that they're also one of those teams I'm looking out for, too. Yeah, they, because they can slide into the able, They can slide into it. They're not expected to. They can definitely. But they can get into it. For sure. I mean, I mean, especially looking at Napoli and Atalanta, how they're able to execute, especially against stronger, strong teams, they're definitely in the could make a run for the title. Right. But in in my opinion, we'll 
do probably another like updated table in January at the halfway yeah. point. So I know. Right, right. I already know that I like, like, it. like because Atlanta. Like I already know minus changing, probably going to change up. Yeah, but Atlanta, Atlanta just, are making the Champions League. At worst, they're getting fourth. They might even get third. I, again, we're going to talk about Juventus in a second. I'm just not sold on them right now. Even the ball has not been there yet, but I, I just I just don't love what I see so far. So with with that, I think a lot of the team that's going to get into that title race. Papu Gomez is just outrageous. And if he keeps this up, he's going to win the MVP of the, of the season um, because it's only been two games. So I don't I don't usually like to even throw that that name out there until like five, six games have been played. But like he just looks like on a different level this season. And uh, I mean, I just like it's going to come down to whether they can defend. And I'm not sure they can. But any team who can't keep up with them scoring, that's going to be the. And here's the thing about the Lazio game. They were outplayed for the first half for most. They they were, were winning. But just in terms of the quality of play and all that stuff, Lazio had control of the game. They were possession. They have a lot of good chances. Um, Atlanta's goalkeeper came up with some big saves down the stretch. And then they Atlanta just found those moments. And if they can find those moments against the big teams and perform against the little ones, uh, they very well could sneak in the title race. Um, all right. I'm a, since this is my team, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have first crack, and then I'll, I'll listen to what – you say, and then I'll, I'll respond. Um, uh, what did you think about Romeo Juventus? Um, uh, just generally. I mean, in general, from what I saw, is you guys were able to attack fairly well. Um, I mean, those the penalty, I kind of think, helped you in the beginning to get you on the board and give you like some sense of that hope. But, of course... Then on the reverse side, you also have Ronaldo, who got the, his penalty yes. goal, obviously. Okay. Before you return, Ronaldo spent most of that game in the pocket of Roger Ibanez. Ronaldo did have those moments. But prior to that and after that, he did nothing. So, all right. So, I think, I think you're right in that sense. But we outplayed them the whole game. For in my opinion, so like my question is, based on the performance that Roma had, um, is it possible just based on that if they can maintain some somewhat to that standard that they could push for top five? It is possible. All right, just just, just what what else did you notice from the game? Sorry to, to cut you off. <laughs> no worries. Um. But I've also, I mean, there are some key issues. Like, I think there's, like, issues with Jekyll right now, especially being the only, like, striker on your team. Um, I know there are some other players at Roma who can, are capable of playing striker, but they're not, it's not their strong suit. Yeah. Um, but without that bag of striker, it's going to be problematic for Jekyll going forward because. Without having a good backup striker, it's going to put all the pressure on him. And he's up there in age. So it's yeah, like... And let's let... Wrong. Again, with Handanovic, we recognize the elephant in the room. There's... So let's just break this down. Why? I'll, I'll tell you why Roma lost this game in two words. Ed and Dzeko. I'm sorry. 
I, he's a club legend. It was probably the worst game I've ever seen him play in the, in, in the Roma jersey. Um, the, the, the one-on-one, you can't miss that. I understand it hit the post. He had so much time and energy to do what he needed to do to convert that. Roma winning the game too, at that point. If he scores that goal, it doesn't matter because Roma get the points. And then there was, there was a play right before Ronaldo scored where he had a shot on goal again and totally fluffed it. So, I mean, it was, it was, I, like I said, it was, it, it was absolutely horrific. What he, what he, his performance. So it's, it's almost like you last, I mean, I think we're going to get a backup striking before the end of this, but it's almost like we need to get a backup striker so we can justify it to bench him. And I'm not saying he's going to perform like that all, all season, but in that game, you have to you have to convert those. And I understand that it maybe it's it's tough in those situations sometimes. But there's no excuse. There's no thing you can say to to justify the performance that he had. Um, just in general, Roma outplayed the entire game. We're, we're outplayed. Sorry, Roma outplayed Juventus the whole game, a whole game from minute one to ninety. Um, we had the momentum pretty much going the entire time. One Ronaldo moment kills us. But if, if he puts that way, then we get three points instead of one. Welcome back. It's And we're going into extra time. <laughs> With it all tied up. <laughs> all right. Let's, let, let's, just, let's just try to finish this off. Um, just give me, give me your last couple thoughts of the Roma game. Um, and I got a few more just short topics to, to head us out. Um, overall, I think that without another striker, Jekyll is going to be the weak link, in my opinion. Yeah, no, no, because... I get, I, no, no, I get that. But just generally as, as a collective performance, um, just, just but, give me your opinion on that. But overall, you guys should have – he had no issues winning that match, and you guys couldn't get the job done. Um, that, that's you guys had. That's fair, but we again we outplayed Juventus the entire game. So I still think, comparison to how they played in match one to two, there there should be a lot of positivity and momentum based on their, that performance. Um, all right, so so I have I have one thing on Juventus, and then I have a few more things. But I, I just want to say this. Um, <laughs> This did this in your opinion? Did this match expose Juventus as a title contender? Because top to bottom, they have better players at pretty much every position, except maybe center back and on the wing, maybe just something like that. And if they lose next week against Napoli, is it? Do you think it's possible, or do you think it's it? that Juventus could get in a battle for even making Champions League at all? Based on what I've seen, you, Roma, I think, in my opinion, were the the team to explore those which look at when they go face them and use to their advantage. So, if they lose against Napoli, that definitely opens the doorway for other teams to pretty much like learn those weaknesses and use them. Um, so especially since they're like the team that has quality from top mm-hmm. to bottom. Um, 
but I think that will definitely cause them to possibly lose any chances of the title, even though it'll they'll still be in it, but at least they'll be fighting for some form of Champions League at that point if teams are able to go in there and just say, oh, we know what your weakness are. Weaknesses are boom, 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 right. done. So, I mean, if they don't fix those issues, they could be even struggling to make Champions League, which would be, I mean, in my opinion, bittersweet. It would suck because we know that they've been in the Champions League for quite some time, but it would be... It would suck because it would be sweet because that way it gives other chances to teams that normally wouldn't make yeah, it I, otherwise. I, my opinion, and I'm just going to ask you this. I think Pilro is safe regardless because they did this for for a, a long-term success. Would you agree with that? I agree. Yeah, so I don't think if they finish fifth, I don't think he's getting sacked or anything like that because they set this up a certain way. And Dabala comes back, things will change, obviously. Um, but I think it's possible, and I think they got exposed a bit. But I still think they'll probably fight with, for the title. Um, it's I think it's possible that Roma is tailor made to beat them, not beat them, but to to exp- expose their weaknesses. So that doesn't mean Roma's going to be uh, this great team, and I, I still think they're going to do. I feel better about where they're going to finish based on that performance. But like, I just, I just think they just highlighted the weaknesses that other teams can now exploit. Um, but they'll probably make the champions league. They'll probably be in the title race until the very end. I think when Dabala comes back, everything changes. That's just the way I see it because he is the reigning MVP of the season last year. And he's still, I mean, he's still a top three player in the league if he's not number one. So I think that change that will change absolutely everything. But yeah, I, agree. I more or less agree with what you were saying. Um, yeah, I agree with what you're saying too. But uh, like I said, without Zabala right now providing that like quality in, because we know he's not like a top goal scorer, but he will help with getting the ball into tight spaces, right? For other players to find the back of the net. So I think once he comes back, it'll probably change the demographic. Right. But I also think that, there are some of those right. issues. I also think it was a mistake to start Marata in that game after just being signed the, like the, the day before. Um, I expect Marata to, to be very good for them too. I just think, Again, it to me, it was a game that was the coming out party for Roger Ibanez. Um, this kid is the truth. It's, he, he's, he's only 22 years old, and he frustrated Ronaldo and Maratha and any striker and any forward that they had so convincingly. I mean, it was, it was incredible. So, like, the, the way I look at it now is the defense is not going to be the problem. It's going to be whether we can score. Because defensively, we're not getting blown up by anybody. I don't care what anyone says. We're not, we're not losing any 4-0 games. We will lose games, as everyone does. But I feel like because of the strength of the defense, um, Roma will be able to not get blown out. But it's just, like you said, it's going to come down to the striker and whether they can bring in somebody – just anybody. I would take even if we got Kalanish back from last year. That's that's good enough. We just need a little bit more stability in that position. Um, but other than that, I think Rome played excellent, and I think there's reasons to believe that they can finish at least in the top seven um, because of everything that went on. Definitely not. Definitely not ten place like that one idiot said. What's up, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think. 
Nice. Love you, Ryan, but... Yeah, I think that was a spur of the moment sort of thing because of how bad the season started. But, um, yeah, my, my thought is we're going to be able to defend. That's not going to be the issue. It's the striker is, is going to be the issue. Creating is not going to be the issue. So if we figure out the striker, we'll, we'll do much better than I think people think at this point. But I, I still think 6th, 7th is probably where we're going to finish. Um, on that, so um, we've talked about this a billion times. But we're just going to go over it one more time because it's it's in um, there's a big meeting that's going to take place on Friday about this. Um, so basically, the Chris Mullen thing's back on the table. Roma went in with another offer. It's supposed, according to reports, 15 million plus add-ons, which should reach the validation. Um, Inter Milan and uh, some other teams are all all interested, um, but Chris Smalling is not interested in anything except Roma. Um, so I hope it gets done. I think it's going to get done. Um, what, what's your view? Do you think does it get done, or or, or am I just whatever? Or and what what does it mean to Roma if they get it done? Uh, I think they'll get the job done. And if they don't, Manchester United stop being child children because it's getting annoying. I mean, yeah, you've dealt with you've done deals with Inter. Why not with Roma? This just shows that sometimes they don't, they maybe don't even like you, but but it's like I just hope that they actually shut up and take the deal, because I mean, yeah, you already have somebody in Chris Smalling's position, but he would definitely be good as a rotational starter, and he would also be good as a great substitute off the bench, especially if a player gets hurt. Um, so in my opinion. Just get the job done. He would definitely be great for you. And in regards to these other clubs that are interested, especially Inter, I don't want him personally, but I just hope it's, he's utilized to his full potential at yeah, Roma. I think if we sign him, and I think we will sign him, it will be Abanez, Mancini, and Small. That will be the back three. So I think he just walks into this, his old position. I will, I will celebrate this as if we signed someone huge uh, because – I think so many times we thought this was dead. And then if we don't, if we don't get him, there's, there's another man United defender we're interested in. And the, 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 the idea is if we could get, if we could negotiate a loan on him, they would be less, more willing to deal with smalling with us. So there's a big meeting that take place Friday. I think we get the deal done. We're running out of time, which is nerve wracking, but I think the, the deal gets done. All right. Um, screen yard of Spurs. Um, what are your thoughts? Bye, Felicia. So you want him to, to go? I w- it's like I don't want him right, to go. Say but- what you say. What is your, what are your thoughts on that? If and he's not he's not negotiated with Spurs yet. Spurs are just trying to negotiate him with you know trying to buy him. So. Uh, ugh, let me really think about this so, here. Okay. I mean. I would. I mean, there's kind of like pros and cons to see him go. Don't get me wrong, but with how um, Conte plays, just he doesn't do good at a back three, and we've seen this time and time again. He's not in his element. So if he, that is the one thing that I. Is holding him back from being the player he was. 
he was in the middle, has a side. And we're on to penalties. I don't, I'm going to update my app, and I, I think it, it shouldn't be the problem after that. Um, I apologize, everyone. Um, let's just let's just finish out this segment real quick and get on with it. Um, okay, so so Skriniar, you said that doesn't fit the system, all that. Um, so I have two questions, and we'll just we'll just end it here. Um, so number one, would you keep him as a rotational starter or just sell him? And number two, you're interested into uh, you're interested in Antonio Rudiger from Chelsea. Would you would you sign Rudiger and sell Skriniar or whatever? Um, I would definitely consider that, but I would still keep. I would love to be able to keep him on as a rotational starter, but of course, it's not my decision. But if Inter are to sell him, I wouldn't mind uh, getting Rudiger. Um, he did. I think this is the Rudiger that also played for Roma at one point. Yep, that's the one we're interested as well. Just you know. Yeah. So he. I mean, if we're able to get Rudiger has a solid replacement, I think he does really good in a back three, whereas Springer, in my opinion, struggles immensely. So I think getting somebody who's more suited for Conte's system would definitely help us out defensively, especially if DeVry gets hurt. We need somebody who's going to be able to take that role and just run with it. Right. If he goes to Spurs, what 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 – Financially, what what's your price? What would you like to get? I would say at least thirty million. That seems about right. I think uh, I don't think it's going to happen. There's not enough time left in the window for them to make it happen. Um, you may Rudiger isn't doesn't have a, a future at Chelsea at least at this point. So Rudiger to Roma or Inter seems plausible. Um, let's see. Um, all right, let's just end with this. Um, formationally, um, what would you like to see from Inter? Um, how, like, how would you like to see the team line up uh, this season beyond this, whether it's to, due to formation or due to personnel? Um, what are your thoughts? I would definitely – I mean, I can't speak in way of formation, but I can speak in way of players. Um, I would like to see DeVry start – like pretty much almost every match unless he ends up injured and we need to have somebody take over that role because in my opinion, DeVry is one of the top defenders that Inter has and he works well in a various, in various defensive formations such as the four, two, three, one, which was under Luciano Spalletti. He works well in a three, five, two. So he's more versatile in that aspect. Um, I would like to see Hakimi, in a starting role because once he was brought on in the um, Fiorentina match, th the defense seemed to gel, gel a little bit quicker. I would love to see Vidal has a starter, but it, we don't know if he'll – I don't think he'll start the next match just based on what I saw him coming off the field limping. So that's kind of like a concern for me right now. But if he's able to start and give us at least a solid maybe 60, maybe 65 minutes as a main starter, that would be a great. Um, I would like to see maybe instead of a top, the three, two in the front, maybe incorporate Alexis Sanchez as another, uh, in more of like a, 
So you would have the two strikers on this. The how would that be then? Wait, how many strikers are you? Are you remember how you showed me that photo yeah, earlier? With I'll I'll break this down for you. And let's just just um as I talk, just just give me some input. So I would play. So let's let's go back three. I play Hondanovich just because you have to at this point, and then Kolarov at left back, Devry in the middle, and then Bastonia right back. I would rather see Hakimi in one of those positions. Just wait. I have Hakimi at the at the left wing back. Okay, then the back three would work. Um. So I and then I would push the two in the middle up. So it's a wing back, Perisic on one side, Hakimi at the other would be the other wing back, and then you'd have Vidal and Barella push forward in an attacking mi- midfield position. And then I would play Lukaku, Martinez, and Alexis as a front three. Lukaku in the middle, Alexis to the left, and Martinez to the right. Um, Erickson would have to come off the bench in this formation. Um, but I think this kind of makes the most sense. I actually like that. Um, it, it would basically cover all the bases. It would fill in those gaps that, in my opinion, are sorely lacking. Um mm-hmm. But, of course, we can make all these suggestions, but if Antonio Conte isn't willing to, like, really adapt much, it's not going to work. So so if Conte gets his head out of his butt and make any – and be willing to adapt and learn different formations based on the opponent – then that would be the, like, I actually like that formation a lot. Because then you can switch in with Barella and Vidal. You can put Christian mm-hmm. Eriksen there. You can put Sensi there. You can put um, whoever. And this formation would, uh, and I don't know what, what you think about this, but it would allow game time for Piamonti, um, which I think makes sense because you spend $18 million on a player. That you, you don't want him to just sit on your bench. You know what I mean? Right. So, in my opinion, this would allow players to be more rotational and keep the player keep the squad fresh and healthy game by game, which has been an issue. Because if we constantly keep playing the same formation and the same people in the same positions over and over again, like I think it was last year, they're going to figure Stefano- you out, basically. Yeah, but. It's like one of those situations where Sensei ended up with like a low grade injury, but he was forced to play as a starter over and over again. And it just further agitated the injury to the point where he was out for a good whole chunk of the season. So, has uh, what I ended up with my sprained ankle, someone had made the joke saying, we need to keep Antonio Conte away from you. He would make you work that injury, and then you'd end up injured on the sidelines for the next six to seven months. I laughed because it's true, and it's sad. So it's like it would keep more players in a more rotational role, and it would give a lot of players who normally wouldn't start that opportunity. So I would love to see that. All right, I think that's going to just about do it. Um, um, I'm sorry for all the interruptions. We did our best. Um, hopefully, we'll have Ryan uh, back with us next week because um, there's some Premier League stuff that, that I want to talk with him. But um, 
I, I wanted to keep that for another episode for, for when he's back on with us. Um, but uh, anyway, thank you for your patience, everybody. Um, let's go Napoli. Let's go Roma. Um, see you later. Inter. <laughs>